celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Tall Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Kia ora and welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. Today we have Zane Winslade, owner of mental skills and pressure training company Flow Sport. Zane is a mental performance coach with a wicked mix of experience as a professional rugby player, teacher, student, and as a mental skills coach for athletes from youth to elite level. Zane has published many articles and a hands-on book called The Mental Toughness Journal. His knowledge of sports psychology has been developed and strengthened from both formal studies and hands-on engagement. Whether it was in his playing years over in the UK, Romania, or Portugal, or during his endless hours spent directly with others as a teacher and a coach. Performance anxiety is not exclusive to sports, so with a lot to discuss, let's dive in. Welcome, Zane. Where and how are you today? Hi, Grace. Thanks for that. Um, Where and how am I? I'm in Mount Monganui and doing pretty good. Doing pretty good today. I turned 40 yesterday. It wasn't wasn't saying it was happy. It's kind of quite alarming. Um, Getting older, you know, it's like the, it's a, it's a, a milestone i guess in some respects because it's a big round number <laughs> well happy birthday and i i get what you mean people people never know you're, you're happy to be aging but i'm sure with everything there's um there's lots going on in your head but happy birthday for yesterday thank you thank you one of the many articles you'd written you talk about how anxiety comes when the situation involves pressure because the outcome is highly valued and usually the cost of the failure is significant. And so I immediately think what caused you to recognize and understand the significance of anxiety and having strong mental skills? Like what was that moment for you? Mm. Well, everyone has anxiety to a certain degree. Obviously there's, it's a, it's a, a spectrum and, we you know all the way from clinically significant in terms of needing professional care and, and medication sometimes and, and and then obviously all the way down to just a mild form of nerves or um worry that can come up um with day-to-day normal human life and then if you didn't have any you'd probably be more of a psychopath than um than a normal human and then so my experience with sport um but just general life was probably you know I struggled with nerves and and anxiety in my sport I guess real strong physical somatic anxiety still get it quite a lot doing certain things and and would often I guess get in the way or annoy me (laughs) to the point where it would affect my performance in sport or in other things and I got curious about how I could manage that and deal with that. And that's kind of been that journey, I guess, to do the the me search um, and study to figure out um, how I could fix myself. And then realizing that you don't really do fix yourself. You, you, you know, you figure out ways to, um, to accept and, and um, allow those feelings to be there and just make sure that you put your attention on the right things at the right time rather than eliminating that you know so a roundabout way I guess of answering your question but did that (laughs) and I think it is important thank you first of all 
for those listening to you've had a lot of experience playing in high level sport overseas in terms of I, I like what you said it's not about like negating or removing those senses of angst or whatever might mm-hmm. be causing the nerves but kind of accepting it was it and I didn't kind of prepare for this I'm just off the cuff yeah. in, dif- in different cultures <clears throat> do you think people handled that or responded differently like when you were in Romania or Portugal versus New Zealand do you think our culture in New Zealand kind of feeds into any of that performance or just general anxiety or is that kind of universal Mm, I guess there's definitely cultural influence um, but I wouldn't know I wouldn't have thought about it enough to have any sort of real like conclusions on that but I know like definitely especially with like gender roles and things like that like men especially there's this expectation of not showing a weakness and and not appearing um nervous I guess and so like a lot of the struggle for um and that's not just men but like you could say that that's a a, a sort of a gender norm eh? like that, yeah. that that men are strong and unconfident in those situations it's it's not okay to be um worried and that and then I guess we internalize that and and tell ourselves we shouldn't feel a certain way and then obviously when you're doing that you're kind of like holding the gun to your head and saying don't be nervous but by doing that, obviously, you're going to get freaking nervous about being nervous. So it's 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 like the double whammy. So yeah, there's that element. Um, and then like different cultures, I guess they would influence, yeah, like how accepting people are of that. Um, but I think there's norms across um cross-cultural norms in terms of how we yeah, probably predominantly in the Western world, there's this expectation we shouldn't really feel certain ways. Eh? Like we should be confident, we should be courageous and have no trouble um, in life and, and everything should be happy and fine and all that sort of thing. So, it, it, yeah, there's, there's definitely, yeah, cultural influence. I'm just struggling to think if I noticed any with, in terms of that, but I couldn't say, no, I think it's across the board it was, you know, the all struggling in different ways individually and yeah it's like when I think sometimes of leaders or really impressive people the words related to them are like oh they're fearless and they're so Mm. brave and and that word fearless is kind of maybe we're starting to take a look at it and we're like oh is that actually to to your point if you're not feeling it are you a psychopath like (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) I think what we'd find is probably there is fear but people feel like they can't express it. And so to your point, yeah, there, there are gender norms and stereotypes and it obviously mm. doesn't apply to everyone, but especially I think in New Zealand, there's this, you know, toughen up, like she'll yeah, be right yeah. attitude yeah. that there is. So it's like that innate nature to be like, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be, you know, sharing that because I, I felt yeah. like I needed to keep it to yourself. So I think sometimes, like you said, there are cultural differences sure but overall when it comes to nerves anxiety I think everyone fundamentally can relate to that in some capacity Mm. they're just whether or not they've had more experience in dealing with it probably yeah 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 and I mean that one you talk about is huge because when I ask a young Kiwi athlete what's important to you about who you are as a person as an athlete that sort of thing 
um, modesty always comes out like, you know, and eighty percent of people I ask, it's important that they're modest. And I was would wonder like, is it appearing modest or actually being modest? You know, like do you just want everyone to know that you don't think you're really good <laughs> um, because of the pressure in New Zealand society to not be, you know, like full yourself and all that. Um, and then when you go to the states, it's it's you know it's it's the opposite it's like you've got every right to say that you're the best and that's that's celebrated interesting that you say yes that immodesty is such a high value but yeah is it because they really want to be modest or you go oh I should be because that's what I see role modeled from others is modesty yeah well like I think it's a weakness in terms of um I shouldn't say weakness but like it can get in the way in terms of performance because people just don't want to go there with the like dare to dream you know because it's like oh i just got to pull myself down and just be modest and stick to like you know like whatever like um and and to can even conceive that they may be capable of something um more than you know like that that to, the modesty is holding them back from even considering maybe a certain you know achievement or even committing to certain goals that eh? it's like oh no yeah I'm, you know i'm just I'm just working hard I'm not, I'm not that good and you know that sort of thing so it is massive I think it plays a huge part in New Zealand culture that that it's valued and I don't think I'm not saying it's a bad thing we, ne we don't need to change but I think it's important to be aware of where there's limits to that and how like it's a cool it's a likable thing that's great but let's not um make make kind of hold us back from you know getting what we deserve and what we'll, maybe not deserve but really want from life eh? we don't want just the need to be modest to hold us back from that mm. yeah no and that's important that you call that out because sometimes I can roll away and be like yeah let's all advocate for ourselves but you're right because that is a very good quality Kiwis do have is we are humble so somehow we need to arrive in a middle spot you said something that makes me think about another article you'd written so if anyone wants to deep dive zane's written a lot <laughs> you, you've done your research man. wow <laughs> that's um, awesome there was it, it took me ages because i just kept finding something else finding something else and one of mm. them was about you're talking about the importance of empowering athletes even athletes to make their own mistakes so that they can actually develop their own responses to them which it's like mm. yeah actually i think a lot of the coaches for me if i'm if I'm making mistakes, they have allowed me the room to figure it out on my own because on mm. race day, you don't. But you also wrote about the potential dangers of visualizing success without also visualizing the challenges. Mm. And I wanted to ask you to speak on that idea of imagining yourself experiencing the difficulties and still moving forward. Mm. Mm. Yeah, what's that about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess like sometimes the trap with the visualization stuff, because um, it became all trendy and, it, you know, like there's loads of books that have been around for a while about how you just visualize your success and, you know, it's going to happen and it's great and just imagine all these positive things happening and there might be some benefit to that in terms of your motivation. It's like helping you stay, you know, yeah. focused towards your goals and all that and um yeah and, and, and it probably feels good as well it keeps you you know your mood up I guess when you 
have to get up at 6 a.m. in the morning or 5 a.m. or whatever it is and go to training and things like that. So there's benefits to that. But um, life's not obviously always perfect. And actually rehearsing for situations when things go wrong can be really, really helpful as well. So, you know, you're not going to imagine over and over again making a mistake, but you might imagine making a big mistake in a game and and then getting that perfect response. How are you going to respond to that in that moment? So you're basically just practicing or mentally rehearsing what you will do when things go wrong because they inevitably will, or you know, eventually. Um, so, yeah. you know, like a golfer might, you know, when I when I miss a part, you know, I'm going to imagine that and one that I think I should have got and imagine what my mind might tell me and what I might say to myself and then what am I going to do after that? What am I going to do with my my thoughts, I guess, and my body and then just having a plan. So then we go to the start line or we go to the the golf, the first tee, and we know like I've got a plan or like things that go wrong because your mind will think about what could go wrong and you go, yeah, that's right. If that goes wrong, I've got that. And um, yeah, that's something I played around with before I even studied sports psych and used to sort of jot down like little things that could go wrong in, in games and, and think about what I might do um, to to recover from that. And then you're really practicing resi- resilience before it happened, I guess. You're having, you've got a plan and you're rehearsing that and you're, you're um, preparing for it. And if it doesn't happen, happy days, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think about <laughs> often like, you know, rugby or golf especially, I just – I watched some of the Masters PGA uh, Masters. Right. I couldn't watch it all. Um, yeah. But with rowing, right? It's like you get to the start, you get to the end. Ideally, it's under eight minutes at the worst case scenario. So the amount of time for you to think isn't actually a lot because if no. you're lo- if you're losing, you actually can't see how far ahead they are because they're behind you. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would always sympathize with sports like rugby or golf where if you go wrong you have all the time to think about it if in netball you're you're having an off game with shooting you have 60 minutes to think about it like that team play there's so much more time to think and to your point respond but also maybe spiral if you don't whereas Mm. running swimming rowing all of those kind of just start go races once you've started, you've started, the nerves all go away because you just have to finish. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it differs between sports eh? and like, even if you're taking an exam and, you know, you do question A and you're like, oh, I didn't get that. And then you have to try bounce back. It's yeah, different yeah. When, when there's a longer period of time compared to yeah. just a, a one and done. Yeah, yeah. But even like, I guess with the rowings and the stuff, you might go, well, okay, like I imagine like I get to the start line and I've got like a little bit of a sore leg or, you know, like there's there's situations you can, I guess you you might, yeah, visualize there um, beforehand. eh? Like that's common ones might be the start in those races, but then, you know, once it's on, it's just like empty the tank and done, you know, (laughs) there's not much thinking going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there could be a lot like of preparation that you could get into some sort of spiral of overthinking. But if you had a plan on like, okay, what if this happens at the start? Um, what if someone says something like this? Or what if, yeah, playing that game, visualizing some ways of, of coping with that that aren't necessarily like just keep rowing the boat because you're not 
That's fair, actually, because one thing that I would never think about because it scared me so much was if I caught a crab. Um, oh, which, yeah. For yeah. those who don't know, a crab is when you're rowing and essentially your blade hits the water at a wrong angle. And if it's bad enough, you'll get ejected out of the boat or the boat will come to a stop. So those were ones I would I wouldn't even think about because to your point, if I ever caught one, I wouldn't know what to do because I didn't yeah. visual, visualize it. I just hoped it wouldn't happen. Um, mm. So yeah, there are, there are. And even like in that game, it's a bit different because before I'm like, well, what have I eaten? Oh, well, if I didn't eat 90 minutes beforehand, then I'm done and I have no energy and it's gone, you know, like mm. there, there mm. are, to, yeah, to your point, there are always areas where you can probably visualize and think ahead. So then you're prepared, like even this interview, I feel confident going into it and just excited to talk to you because I hope, you know, touch wood, I've done my research so I know where we can go with it. But if I hadn't, then I'd be like, uh, then I'd be nervous. So preparation yeah. helps. Yeah. 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 And I guess that's what ultimately when, when you're talking about the visualizing the plans for when things go wrong, it's ultimately just a way of preparing a year and then doing your prep so that you know like if stuff happens you've got a plan but it's yeah it's it's also again not overthinking over analyzing so you gotta be careful i guess with, and that's dependent on the person a eh? like that we don't um have an athlete just going through everything over and over and over again and um just ruminating over all these possibilities i mean we don't want to go down that road so we've, we've also got to be careful mm. i think what we're getting at is there are reasons there are mental skills coaches such as yourself because <laughs> we everyone's going to be different and for me I was very lucky at the college I was at we had mental we had sports psychologists cool. and cool. so I would I would go to them every week because every week something new was going on that I needed to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to talk yeah. about um yeah yeah those those are the benefits so I think really emphasize get if you have access to help or support more it doesn't even need to be help it's just preventative the same way you'd go to do weights training if you're a runner it's kind of getting all your muscle groups sorted and the brain is the biggest one there yeah yeah and really just that building that relationship with someone and being able to talk through things um and have that person reflect them back to you it's just so um helpful and and everyone's unique and different and then that's the thing with sports psychology the blanket advice is just just does not it's not uh it's actually can be harmful because you just we don't know what that individual might need eh? so the general advice can be quite it is quite hard because everyone's a little bit different um, yeah. and we might have the frameworks that we work through but ultimately we've just got a unique person eh? that and that's the art part of it i guess that we're constantly that anyone in sports psychology is trying to to master is finding the right way to approach or help a person through something yeah yeah I want to pivot a little bit you have done a lot and you do with youth and sport and exercise participation has a lot of benefits I think we all know physically mentally and that being said I at least think a lot of young people develop this correlation between winning and fun. So sport becomes fun if you're like, it starts to get a little bit messy at one mm. stage. That's how I at least felt with it. And so you wrote that just 
putting a child into a sporting environment doesn't automatically give them the social, physical, and psychological benefits, right? It's like just chucking a kid in sport and being like, oh, this is going to be good for them might not always be the case. Hmm. What what are those kind of essential elements for an environment to become, I guess, foster positive benefits for kids when they're getting into hmm. it? What, what else does there need to be? Yeah, that's a good question. Because I think we have this assumption, eh, that on the whole, sport's really good. But, man, there's some, some real... Um, challenging and, and even harmful stuff that goes on in sport and having like you mentioned i worked with youth and you know some of them that come in and 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 the stuff they're wrapped up in and their sport and some of the struggles and the and the, you know the suffering i guess that's going on for them because of their sport you do wonder like was this is this a helpful way for them to be judging their value in the world um through this you know this competition which is ultimately a big comparison to others um to how well you do against others um so we've got to take it with i guess an acknowledgement that it's it is what it is it's competition we play to win um but at the end of the day we can't have our whole identities tied up with that um you know the results or the outcomes or how good we get get and whether we're going to be professional and all those sorts of things so we i think ultimately you get the majority of even parents and coaches and everyone just getting caught up in the whole um, pathway to be a champion and to be a pro and all those things and we just miss out on some of the real good stuff eh, of being part of a team, um, just being hanging out with your mates and getting along and and having good relationships and learning to struggle through tough moments and pressure moments and all that. And, and it becomes just a you know thing to do so that we can get closer and closer to being the, you know, all black or whatever it is that people want, you know, the goals. Because um, most people are not going to make it. And, you know, it's, that's what I mean. It's quite sad for me sometimes when you sit down and people just go, all I want to do is be this. And it's like, well, that's cool. I'm not, no one's going to crush those dreams. Um, And it's great to aspire to things, but like, let's try and tap into some other thing, reasons why to play sport, like, you know, and, and, and really connect with those rather than just make it about getting to this point. Because then once they get there, they'll be, probably won't be as fun as they think it will It'll be judged and abused by others and criticized in the public and all that sort of thing anyway but um yeah i guess i don't know if i'm answering fully <laughs> the question but what environments wise like <clears throat> i guess we need we need a we need really supportive environments in sport for them to get the most out of it and I've mentioned challenge and support, the, the that matrix of getting those right. So making sure like, yeah, we're challenging them, which keeps them motivated, keeps them striving and lets them fail and make mistakes and all that sort of thing and learn through that. But also alongside that, having the support 
like really, really high levels of support, helping them through, letting them experience those tough times. I don't necessarily think it has to be for everyone either. There's so many other avenues that if sport's not the exact thing that, you know, is your passion or your fire or makes you feel like you're getting that sense of team, like you can get mm. that and you can get that in other ways when you're young. And I wanted to ask you from your experiences, like traveling with sport, are those memories like you think back on as, of course the games were important and the trainings and stuff, but what were some of the fun places and things rugby mm. like we took you like I'm sure when you look back on rugby you're thinking about a lot more than just the game you're thinking about where it took you and surfing and all those other things yeah 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 no I mean I've said this to the athletes as well like I don't remember the bloody uh championships and titles and all that like yeah obviously they're there and they and I don't know if I won many finals <laughs> lost a few <laughs> um but like there's obviously great games and wins and all that but like it's not the stuff you value as much as like the people that you meet along the way and the the travels that you've had which was for me like a really important part of the sport it was like oh man i could i could get free flights over to europe and like get get paid and like how get a house and live in portugal and romania whatever and and just for that like the dream of of the travel and being free and all that sort of thing was like amazing. Yeah. And that's just an important message as well for, for people. Cause like, it's really easy to get caught up in like outcome or nothing. And then, then it's really, like, it's a little pressure you put in on yourself, but if you've got those other parts of it, you can enjoy. Um, it's really important. Yeah. And I definitely look back on that. Like you say, the surfing every day in Portugal and <laughs> training and, just training rugby and surfing. So, what is tall poppy syndrome in your own words? There's no mm. right or wrong. It's just your own words. And what's your experience with it, if any? Yeah, I guess my view on tall poppy syndrome is just that. Well, obviously, you, you know, the metaphor is you, the field of poppies, and there's one that sticks out above the rest. And you know, people want to try and cut that down so it fits some of all the other sized poppies. Um, and so, yeah, it's that tendency to want to bring people back down to earth who have achieved something, you know, some level of success um, and appear to be standing out in, in a crowd. And that's built into us probably more so New Zealand, but I think a little like probably more in UK and you know Canada versus the States is very different and as, as well. Um yeah, and coming from, like we've mentioned that cultural thing, very strong in New Zealand. I don't know why, whether it's just because we're this little country and we, you know, we're trying to sort of measure up and, you know, we don't like it when people sort of get too big for their boots and full of themselves or whatever it is. It's so funny. It's like, I always remember when I'm young, like, someone knows some top, athlete or celebrity and then they're always like yeah he's this you know he's like this just to try and bring him back down to make him a bit normal i think as well like because we're so small we have we feel like we have like ownership over our celebrities and athletes like yeah. we're kind of like 
we, we bump into them at the coffee shop you know like we we know our friends flatmates brother knows them or what it, it's all everyone's connected because we're so small and so there's this sort of like we're kind of like yeah they're just one of us and so let's bring them back down you know like whereas like i know in the states there's that hero worshiping of their superstars and it and it, it literally kind of they're untouchable like i always remember going to went to my graduation because i graduated from u.s university and that I think the Warriors, Golden State Warriors, had just won the NBA, like literally just like the day before. And these people were chatting and they were like, oh my God, like Steph Curry, he was like, like a hundred meters away from me. And I was like, you know, like in New Zealand, you just bump into people like all the time, like some of the best cricketers yeah. and rugby players in the world. You see them all the time, like hanging around in the mountain and it's just like and they're kind of like blown away by this hundred meter in real life contact um and it's it's so funny because after that trip i got back got back to new zealand jumped on the plane and and like john key was on the plane the prime minister at the time and you're like oh yeah you know <laughs> it's like such a small country but um and that's just normal it's not in a private jet or whatever it's like no no just but um, I think all of that, like, you know, they like, we've got to keep them within us. Like, they're kind of one of us. We feel like we own them. I think it plays a massive part on just sort of like making sure they don't get too. Let, let's make sure they're still one of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't thought about it. I've thought about it a lot, but I hadn't yeah, thought I about. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that. It's like, yeah, they, they are touchable in that sense of we know them. It's like. Yeah, come on. You're so right because I'd be very interested in your experience in the States. How long were you in the States for? Uh, my dad lived there. I've been there, I've been there a lot, but I I never I studied online. So and, oh, yeah. it's been long, long periods there. Yeah. But you've been in and out of there a few times. Yeah, since. yeah. In and out a lot. It's like 10, 14 times. Oh, yeah. epic. Right. And yeah. so you, yeah. Yeah, you, you see that sense of because there are so many people. There are so many people and there's a lot of yeah, space yeah. that, yeah, yeah. it's like, <laughs> Even uh, the last prime minister, Jacinda, people would be like, oh, oh, do you know her? I'm like, no, she came to my school once though. And they're like, oh, <laughs> what? That's crazy. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I, ha- I hadn't thought about it like that of we are so small and we also do like to punch above our weight. That's what my mom reckons. Yeah, is, yeah we, we have this idea of we can, you know, we can compete up there. So if others are up there, you know, we can bring them back down or this and that. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. It's a lot of food for thought. I think I keep ruminating on it, so I'll just yeah, add, bit... I'll add yours to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. I think it's like, God forbid, if I thought I was a tall poppy, you know, <laughs> Jesus, that would be like the biggest sin in New Zealand. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that was the motivation, but I, you know, like generally, I'm like, wow, like all these people doing amazing things. I think I'm a um, tall poppy, but like, and I, like to be fair, I think the people are like, in a, in different contexts, it's just contextual. Like, there's probably tall poppies out there that, well, people that should be tall poppies that aren't. Yeah, you know, like single mums that raising two or dads, probably more likely mums, but single, you know, two two or three kids on their own, you know, but they're not being held up by the world and saying like this is person's amazing, you know. Um, 
thankfully we're not bringing them down hopefully either but yeah too right <laughs> um yeah i guess i feel yeah we feel, i feel like that's important as well like what we value as a, as a society um and in terms of putting people up as tall poppies sometimes it's like keeping that in check and that doesn't mean bringing that person down for what they do but like you know there's probably plenty of people out there that are tall poppies that we should like recognize, recognize i guess it just yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree definitely there's um there's so many just every day and i'm adding quotation marks um everyday tall poppies that it's not even being able to recognize it so what i like about this is one of my I came up with like learn from legends, so learn from tall, tall poppies, mm. sh- sharing success and growing more poppies because someone's going to listen to someone else and be like, oh, cool, because we've opened that dialogue, hopefully, to allow others. Yeah, instead of bringing someone down, it's like, oh, yo, let me help you up. Let's all grow. Let's, you know, that's mm. my, that's my, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Idea. Um, <laughs> I have one more real question and then one just fun question, but yep. uh, I guess we see a lot with like elite athletes, right? As they'll say, and you, you said this and one of your many things is the difference between winning and losing. Often, if you ask an elite athlete, they're going to point to the mental side of it. Like mm-hmm. when you get to the real nitty gritty, that's a huge part. But then in youth or maybe as we're coming up, we don't, it's understated how important the mental side of it is so at what point do you feel like there's a there's that shift between I'll hold on the mental sides of it's really important is that from maybe someone like yourself who has gone through it and then realized like hold up or do you think there's been a shift kind of in society towards the Mm. importance of mental health mental skills yeah well I mean you mean you've probably noticed there's been a massive shift in terms of like the awareness of um i guess mental health issues and um our well-being and obviously covid exaggerated that as well some of the struggles that people are having and there's been more awareness placed on the mental side of sport from a performance side as well and like that's growing and that's ultimately i think a good thing i guess there's there's my mind's like going through crazy because it's like yeah it's good and then there's bad sides as well like maybe people are going like oh I'm a bit nervous and then now oh sheesh I've got a problem and and now they get really worried and anxious about how nervous they are and it spirals them into actually creating more problems as well because of this awareness of it um you know like going walking around all the time going oh how do I feel how do I feel how do I feel isn't that helpful it's you know, we want to check in with ourselves from time to time and just make sure we're, you know, like healthy and doing okay. But I think a constant sort of view or analyzing ourselves and how we feel can be harmful as well. So you know, we consider that. But you're going, you talked about the start, like the performance element. And yeah, I think often sometimes someone will have like an experience where they realize, oh, I need to start like working on this mental side. Um and youth it's challenging because like you know just sort of you want them to ideally just get involved in sport get amongst it and enjoy themselves and um and if things are going well then they're kind of not going to really think about the the potential or the 
problems and struggles and stuff that can come up and then bang it's like it hits them and they might not have the i guess the tools sometimes and i'm not using that word but yeah the maybe the um experience or the strategies or the ability to reflect or the self-awareness or whatever it is to be able to cope with that in a healthy way so yeah it's kind of hopefully my aim to, to give people awareness of that and then some things that will help them cope when life throws some you know tricky stuff at them which inevitably will so now i think that's become easier now yeah for sure is that what kind of motivated you or steered the mental health sorry the um mental toughness journal mm. yeah i mean that was like meeting a need in some respects because it's like sometimes i get a parent like they'll just sh shove their kid in front of me and they go i'll give them some mental skills and i'm like oh okay and then the kids are like oh what am i doing here and sometimes i'm like oh well it's probably better if i just give them these resources you know like it can you know some of them might not look at it and hopefully some of them most of them do and they go through and they maybe learn something and they give they help build build some sort of awareness around this whole you know mental side so that was it to like help that um and have parents ultimately or coaches have something that they could give to their players to get them thinking really ultimately like yeah we want to go through all the stuff that's in there but the real goal was just hopefully they can start thinking about that mental side of sport and then for their own life as well um having an awareness of and preparation for thing when things go wrong I love that. I thought that was a great resource because those are also tough conversations for some adults, coaches, supporters, or they might not feel like it's their place. So if you can just give mm. them this this journal, this mental toughness journal, ask me questions if you want, but mm. the, the kid might not look at it for a bit, but then maybe maybe they will when they feel that urge as we do to talk about it. And then, yeah. then they, <clears throat> and, and it's pretty interactive, right? Like, they can think yeah. maybe they can write and kind of yep. develop some skills that are pretty healthy um mm. in, in terms of like you said not thinking about it all the time but when they feel like they want to they can go to this this mental toughness journal and actually actually try and maybe figure it out in a way that's not just in their head putting pen to paper so to speak yeah yeah like writing these parts where you write down the worries and the stuff that you have and then you would then I just prompt them to go, you know, is that helpful for you? Is that helping you be the person you want to be? And if no, then you obviously need to be able to acknowledge it, thank it for turning up and let go. And then just simple things like that, that they can go through and go, well, like, yeah, worries are going to come up in life, but just being able to ask the question, is this a worry is helpful? Is it bringing me towards what's important? Whether that's performance in sport or doing well in an exam or whatever it is, but being able, like that question's in there. So you hope like that just sticks. Like if that's one thing that sticks for a kid, that when they're really worrying, they can go, oh, there's some worries going on at the moment. Are they helpful for me? No, okay, actually that's not a helpful one. Okay, thanks brain for turning up and showing me all that stuff. But yeah, um, and we don't want to be caught up if we didn't have that simple question. We might get caught up in it. I'm like, oh God, I can't stop worrying about this. And yeah, I'm like worrying about how much I'm worrying now and I'm anxious and nervous about how nervous I am and um yeah there's so that's oh yeah like the goal I guess of the book and what I hope for young kids can build some healthy habits 
I love that takeaway, even not just for youth, not just for kids, but for me, because I let worries come in and then I could say, thanks, you can leave now. <laughs> like, I, 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 liked, I liked that a lot. And last question, just a fun one. If, all right, for the rest of your days, there's one meal you can have, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all right? And you have to think oh. about this. You don't get, you, it's okay. You're not like, it's not like a final meal. It's just the one you have to have for the rest of your life. What's it going to be? So you have to have it every day, three yeah. times a day. Yeah. 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 If you're going to eat, it's going right. to be this. Oh, okay. Ooh. Oh, man. I would probably, it would be like just a wrap. Like, I just love like just a, you know, hand, I love hand food. Like, yes. Yep. It'd probably be like a burrito more so than like a kebab type yep. thing. So just like burrito, maybe it doesn't, yeah, beef, chicken, whatever. I don't mind. And and be, yeah, and it's just like pick it up. Just love it. Love it all just wrapped in nice and tight and all the different flavors. Um, big fan of that. Always making wraps. So probably yes. that. Yep. No, nothing that's... too fancy. That's a good one. You can pack it with whatever you want. If you want it to be a little bit more fresh, just kind of change yeah. the ratio up a bit. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying yeah. wicked, like seriously, thank you so much. And like I said, if people want to dive in more, you have a lot of resources online and a lot of other interviews, which I encourage anyone to go listen to. But thank you so much for joining me today. I, I, I learned a lot and I reckon others will too. Thanks, Grace. No, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube, and the website. Thanks for today's guest, and we'll see you all next time. Take care. Be kind.